Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible Class. We're continuing our study of the Gospel of John and enjoying what God has given us through this wonderful thematic and theological textbook as it pertains to the deity of Jesus Christ. Remember, this is not a chronological history. It's a theological history. And we have quickly gone through the life of Christ, and now in the final several chapters, we get the teaching of Jesus Christ to his disciples here in the upper room prior to his apprehension and crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. And we have the promises of the Holy Spirit being given to us and given to them first, of course. And we have a new promise and privilege in prayer where we ask of Christ as his agent and it shall be given to us so we can do his work. We've been told we won't be left comfortless. That was how he began teaching us in chapter 14. And now we're at uh, the point where Christ is bequeathing peace to his followers. Peace I leave with you. This is verse 27 of chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's one verse. If you're going to memorize a verse, memorize that verse for your well-being in the future. It is Christ granting us his peace. It's well for us to remember that he is the one that grants us peace. We can't force ourselves to be peaceful. We can't, in the midst of struggle, strife, trials, tribulations, grief, failures, or even successes, can we force ourselves to have peace in our hearts. It is a gift from Jesus Christ. It is a gift from the one who loves you more than life itself. He died for you on the cross, that you would have forgiveness of your sins, and you would have this peace that he wants you to have. Let's talk about peace for just a moment. What is it? Peace is not simply the absence of conflict. And I've been teaching this for 40 years, probably. Uh, 
The absence of conflict is the lack of conflict, but it is not peace. If we don't have conflict, everyone feels better. We may be rested. We may uh, feel uh, some joy about the fact that there's no conflict. But we don't have peace. The peace of God that passeth understanding is what Christ is bequeathing to us here in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. So what is peace? If it's not the absence of conflict, what is it? Well, it goes far beyond the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict is one portion of peace, but conflict can be raging all around you, and yet there be peace in your heart. Peace is that deep, settled understanding that God is in control of your situation and that he loves you with a love that never fails, and he is with you in the midst of all of your situations. He always is with you. We have the example of the three Hebrew young men that were cast into the fiery furnace, and there they were, and in the midst of that fire there was one as like unto the Son of God. And when they came out of the fire, that one is likened to the Son of God, did not come out of the fire. He stayed there for you and for me. I know that's figurative language, but it is an example, if you will, or some understanding, at least in partial understanding, of Christ and his service to us. We think of us serving Christ. Christ serves us far more than we serve him. And, and yet he is our Lord and our master. When he bequeaths this peace to us, it is for us in the midst of struggles, not in the absence of struggles, my friend, but it's in the midst of today's life. You've got things you're facing. You've, you've got stuff running through your head even as we're trying to talk together. I always noted that when I was preaching to a large congregation or even a small congregation, when I would stand before them, every person had their own baggage in their mind that was troubling them. Maybe there was something that made them giggle. Maybe there was something that made them cry. But they had all sorts of things going on in their own hearts and minds. That's the way it is at all times. And I know that there is that situation right now. And perhaps you're thinking of other things while I'm talking to you. But let me tell you this. Whatever is raging in your mind... Only Christ can give you peace. If it's so many things to get done that you don't have time to do it, you've got such a full schedule you can't keep up, if it's the uh, cares of the world that are just the normal cares of daily life, if it's something going on in the family, 
Oh, there's a major turmoil of some sort. The drama will not stop. It is Christ that gives you that deep, settled understanding that God is in control and loves you with a love that's everlasting. That is peace. It is deep and it is settled within your very heart. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How often is our heart troubled, and we are indeed afraid. We're told in verse 1 of chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And here he comes back with the phrase again, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There is to be no fear when God is in control. Why should there be? I've taken many airplane rides. I have gone all across the world in these large and small airplanes. And I can tell you, the only time I get troubled <laughs> is if for some reason I don't think the pilot knows what he or she is doing. My fear comes when I don't think the person in control is worthy of being in control. When do I get fearful of our government's way of running businesses or its business? When it seems that there's someone at the helm that you can't trust. That's when you get concerned, whether it be the local government or the, the uh, state government or the federal government. Uh, you get concerned, you get troubled, your heart is troubled, you're, you become fearful when someone's in control that can't be trusted. Wait a minute. Should I ever be fearful? Should I ever be troubled? Knowing that God is in control? Absolutely not. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. What are we doing here? He has been teaching them in the upper room. It is time for them to start walking toward the garden. And they get up, and they move and they exit the upper room. I've been in what has been 
renovated as uh, the upper room. And it certainly is an upper chamber, meaning it's on a second floor or higher. And uh, I have walked from that upper room out into uh, the area that would have led to the Kidron Valley and to the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane and to all of that area. And I can understand when they would get up and go to that. And it would be, in my way of thinking, a very sad time in your heart when you know, uh, or you should know, from the teaching that Christ has been giving you, that he's not going to be with you much longer. Notice what he said. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Who is the prince of this world? Well, the prince of this world is Satan, is the devil. Uh, and we, uh, we know that from Scripture. Uh, maybe the Lord was referring to Judas, his betrayer, uh, and the devil that was within him, Satan within him. Who knows? I don't, with assurance, but I do know that Satan was on the scene, wasn't he? Because that's what he's saying. He says, the prince of this world comes. And he's got nothing to do with me. He has nothing in me, and I have nothing in him. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. And much of what Christ did in these last hours of his uh, earthly life before Calvary was to teach us, as well as to teach his uh, personal disciples, about his character, about his very person, and about what we should be doing and how we would go about it. It, would, it was these promises and these privileges and uh, these uh, bequests that he was giving that are so important to us uh, so that we as Christians today can function as the Lord would want us to function. If we're abiding in Christ, if we are bearing fruit, for example, the, the uh, three conditions of the fruitful life, uh, cleansing in verses 2 and 3, uh, John thirteen ten, uh, abiding in verse 4, obedience, verses 10 and 12, uh, and much more that we're going to see in chapter 15. And I want us to start there at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now, this is after they've risen up, after they've left the upper room, on the way to the garden. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. Now, what does a husbandman do? What does a vine dresser do? What does the the uh, keeper of the vines or the farmer uh, who raises grapes? What does he have to do? He has to take away those suckers, those uh, portions of the um, branches, if you will, uh, that refuse to bear fruit. He cuts those off because they're worthless. 
Now notice, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What was I saying? you got to cleanse it. When he purges it, it's cleansing it, but it's also trimming it so that it's exactly what it needs to be. So we have to be cleansed to bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Now there's where we get the abiding of verse 4. And uh, we'll get to obedience in just a moment. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, For without me ye can do nothing. What's the principle here? Without Christ we can do nothing. With Christ we can do all things. Verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Notice, We need to obey, verses 10 and 11, for us to abide in Christ and for us to have the fruit that Christ tells us we should have and that we should have much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And then there in his teaching in verses 12, 13, and 14, We have this revelation, it is his commandment that we love one another. Once again, we see that. As I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. There are three degrees, according to Schofield, three degrees of fruit bearing, and this is part of his commentary. There is fruit, we find that in verse 2. There's more fruit in verse 2, and much more fruit in verses 5 and 8. We bear much fruit. The Father's glorified in us when we do that. The minor moralities and graces of Christianity are often imitated, but never the ninefold fruit of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where such fruit is the Father glorified in the fruit of the Spirit. The Pharisees were moral and intensely religious, but not one of them could say with Christ, 
I have glorified thee on the earth, John 17, 4. And that's something for us to think about as we ponder the commandment of Christ. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Are you a friend of Christ? Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.